is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 529, recorded Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. It's almost the end of April. Jason, how you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) April showers bring uh, some May plants and things. That's what they say, yeah. Um, It is, the year is just flying by. I know we bring this up every once in a while, but I feel like it was just January. Uh, and now it's April, almost May. So here we are. Soon 2020 will be over. It's going to be crazy, won't it? Oh, it'll be so nice. It'll be so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go to a restaurant. Oh man. It'll be great. It'll be great. You can go out and do whatever you want. You can walk around. I'm partway there. I got my first vaccine on Friday. First shot. Awesome. That's great. It was, it was pretty good. It kind of kicked the crack crap out of me a little bit over the weekend, but not, uh, not too bad really, to be honest with you. I was mostly just tired. That's good. Yeah. But now in another two weeks or so from now, I will be fully first dosed with the vaccine. Now I have to wait till some other day for the second dose. What do you mean two weeks from now? It takes like a couple of weeks for it to, to have full effect. It does. It takes a couple of weeks to exactly to really kick in for your body to go through the immune response and generate the antibodies and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like you walk out of the clinic and you're immediately invincible. It takes a couple of weeks for that. Right. So uh, essentially what's happened is uh, you've gone through the deployment and now you're waiting for it to, uh, for the changes to propagate through the internet. That's exactly it. That's right. It's yeah. a perfect analogy. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, and for oh, anyone out there concerned, I know that I won't be invincible in two weeks. I will be merely better protected. Right. Walking off, walking in front of cars, jumping off of cliffs, that kind of thing. Exactly. I'm inoculated. I can't be hurt. <laughs> that's not how it works. No. Um, but yeah, so, so that was exciting. That, that's something that happened since the last time we podcasted. The other thing that happened, of course, is there's a new episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which is why we're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, season six, episode number 10. It's called Handle with Care. And I think we're going to talk about it right now. Sure. So here we go, Jason. We pick up this episode, I think we're some weeks later than the one before. And what's happening is Morgan has brought the groups back together again to discuss their mutual interests and enemies. Mm -hmm. So everybody shows up back at the dam. He suggests they put their differences aside. They work together And we learn from Strand at the front gate there that the Doomsday group seems to be spreading. He says they're at Paradise Ridge. He says they're, or maybe Sherry says they're at the skate park, which is where they used to live. So it's kind of a, just a bit of an information session here at the beginning. It's like a few weeks have gone by, maybe more. Everyone's come back together and this Doomsday group enemy is out there. And this all happens basically in the cold open. So you're telling me that they didn't live in a pool? They lived in a skate park? Well, that's what what you're saying. That's what she said. She said skate park. And when you think about it, maybe that's what it was. I think maybe you're right. I mean, the the first skate parks were, uh, you know, old or emptied pools, right? So it's not right right out of left field that, uh, uh, that, you know, pools and skate parks have a lot in common, but that does make a lot more sense that they would live in a skate park rather than a pool. I, I, I mean, I think when we first saw them, it might've been a pool, but then there was that episode with the dog. If you recall that felt yeah. a little bit more like a skate park. So I just thought it was a really big pool. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess, a, you know, I mean, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another, you take a, take a pool and you empty it and you got a skate park. You take a skate park, you fill it with water, you catch yourself a pool. Hey, not a bad idea. Right? That's right. But the point is the doomsday group is all over these places apparently and they're just expanding and and this is the common enemy that they're going to have to deal with, I assume, for the rest of this season. And right. maybe more. Get, uh, so they're overly worried about a uh, a collection of taggers, essentially. Just people spray painting things like, oh no, we better band together in order to protect ourselves against these people that are 
you know, they have a bunch of spray paint. Well, you know, I think it's probably safe to assume that there's more to them than that. But you're right. They they indicate. I mean, Strand shows up with his friend there, and they she she dumps out all those cans of spray paint. Right. That's sort of like we know they've been around because we're finding their empty spray bottles all over the place. Right. Well, I just, I think it's a, you know, it might be a slightly overreacting to think that uh, just because someone uh, tags a, uh, a submarine makes them a bad person. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, they've done a bad thing, sort of, but it's the apocalypse. I mean, who really cares if you tag a, tag a bus or, uh, you know, whatever. It's, it, it's, it's not the end of the world. No, the apocalypse, in fact, is the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the taggers. <laughs> no. So I just, they might be a little bit overreacting. I think, you know, e- even in this day and age today, you know, if somebody tags a bus or a van or something, you know, they're just hooligans, right? It's not really a horrible thing. You don't band together and start planning on uh, rounding them up and uh, I'm not even sure what, what are they going to do? They're going to kill them all? Well, they consider them an enemy, but this, this episode isn't really about that. I mean, it's... Yeah, I, I'm just thinking it through. It, it kind of bookends, the episode kind of bookends with, with this, but what we really get here is a fairly self-contained story about what happens when everybody comes back and spends a couple of days at this dam. And... It all centers around this case of some missing weapons. And of course, Daniel features prominently in this episode, but he's also narrating it from a prison cell. So as you start watching this, at least me anyways, I couldn't help but wonder, wait a minute, why is Daniel in a cell? When is Daniel in this cell? And who is he talking to? Because that's not revealed until about three quarters of the way through the episode. He's talking to the producers right? Who is doing a a reality show and they're trying to put together a narrative based on the footage that they happen to get. Okay. I'm making fun, but it it seemed like a reality show episode, right? You have, uh, you know, action going on and then somebody talking about it in the, in in the present tense, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Then Jody does this and, uh, (laughs) all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, is a little off-putting for me. I, 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 I didn't like it. I did the, the format. Well, I, I don't know. I, I didn't mind the format. It, it confused me at first a little bit though, because I initially wasn't clear. Are we flashing back to something or, I mean, that was my first thought, but then it becomes clear pretty soon that he's telling the story that we're seeing, or at least yeah. providing commentary for it. Right. So he must be in the future, but I, I kept wondering like how far and where is he? It didn't occur to me immediately that he was in that cell that was in the town. Um, but even that becomes clear fairly quickly. And then it's like, who is he talking to? Why are they not showing us who he is talking to? This must be a big reveal. So then three quarters of the episode goes by and it turns out that None of these things that I was worrying about are really the big twist of the episode because the actual sort of big reveal is that Daniel is suffering from some kind of memory loss disorder or while watching it, I was thinking dementia or, or something like that, but something's not all right with him. And before anyone freaks, sure? what's that? Are you sure? I mean, it's not the uh, the actual reveal necessarily. It's the next level of the apparent reveal. Like we don't know that he's wrong, right? We don't know that he gave the wrong uh, instructions to Grace uh, and put her in danger. We don't know that he took the the weapons. Uh, we just, you know, based on all the information we have from an unreliable narrator. Uh, well, that's kind of circular because the fact that he is unreliable narrator uh, means that he's unreliable. Anyway, uh, I just, I don't think all the facts are in. I don't think necessarily Daniel's off his rocker and is, is uh, uh, I don't think he's demented or has dementia or anything like that. I don't understand what you're saying. So do you, do you think what we saw as the storyline, not the like narration bit from the cell, yep. y- you don't think that is necessarily the the true details of the facts. 
I think that the true details of the facts as Daniel understands them could be the true details. So uh, he, what we saw was Daniel giving Grace instructions to go to the fishing cabin, right? Correct. And then later on, we find out that Grace said, you didn't tell us to go to the fishing cabin. You told us to avoid it and to go to the caverns. Right. And, and here's the proof. And he's been, uh, you know, he's going to shoot Strand in the face because he believes that Strand took the guns. Uh, and then we find out that the guns are in Daniel's cabin or tent or whatever, shed, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. called it. Um, so therefore the big reveal is that Daniel took the guns, but Daniel doesn't remember it that way. And I kind of think that the Daniel's recollection is the true facts and that somebody's fucking with him and fucking with us and framing him. Interesting. See, but I, that I, means Grace has to be in on it, right? Well, that's the thing. It feels like a lot of people have to be in on it. So I took it for face value that, that Daniel is having some sort of mental breakdown or, or, or simply some sort of memory loss. And I, I just don't think that the rest of the town is in on some conspiracy to make him feel this way because what would their, what would their motivations be? And at the end of the episode, he leaves and he goes to sort of live his life in Lawton with Strand. Are, are they trying to get rid of him? Why would they be doing that if, if, if they are in fact doing it? Well, I don't know if it was Strand that was in on it because Strand was at the, you know, the business end of a firearm and still wouldn't talk. I think Strand was telling the truth when he said he didn't know where the weapons were and that he didn't take them. And it's fully within Strand's character to squirrel away a weapon and not give it to Daniel when he was supposed to give up all his weapons. So I think that's even a non-starter. So... I think that Grace is in on it and what's her name is in on it uh, because they're the only ones that have uh, firsthand testimony of Daniel, you gave us the wrong information and here's the proof. So the, they're the only ones that need to, well, they are two people that are absolutely in on it, uh, but there has to be somebody else that actually took the guns and put them in Daniel's uh, shit. Yeah, I suppose. So that's, a, that's at least three people. Right. And, and I'm not on board with this theory. I think he really is suffering from something, but I will admit that the only part about, about all of this that I couldn't really put together was the explosion that kind of sets everything in motion, right? They're sitting around that table, they're talking and all of a sudden outside the tent, there is an explosion. It's the incident that incites this whole thing. And I couldn't sort of figure out how that factored into this story. Was it actually an accident? Did Daniel orchestrate this explosion somehow? Did somebody else orchestrate it? Um, I'm not sure. We know that later on he lets the zombies in so he could smoke out who stole the guns. That's his plan anyways. So he's willing to do some stuff like that, you know, does that mean he set off the explosion too? But then why would he set off that explosion? So I'm not sure how it really fits into this whole storyline, other than it's another example of one of those things where something really convenient just happens to propel the story forward. I think that is, okay, so I, I also am not necessarily on board with my theory. I just think that it is a viable theory. But that explosion, Daniel believed that that was the distraction for everybody to freak out so that they could get away with uh, taking the guns and squirreling them away someplace. So whoever squirreled them away caused that explosion in order to distract everybody. So that, that kind of fits into the theory that, you know, Daniel's recollection, what we saw, uh, his point of view that we saw wasn't necessarily his recollection, but... Uh, what we saw on the screen of what Daniel did may still be true, mm-hmm. right? We have the explosion, we have the taking away of the guns, and then we have Grace and what's her name uh, going to, uh, you know, supposed to go to the fishing cabin, but they're lying about what he said. Right, 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 right. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, I think we'll get into this a little bit more because I do have some calls and emails from listeners and stuff like that. But what I originally wanted to say is that 
you know, I called this memory loss or dementia. And I wanted to be clear that those were my words for it, not anybody else's. And our resident mental health specialist, uh, Tias in the Netherlands, and I apologize every time I read an email from him, I can't remember how to pronounce the name. So <laughs> once again, I'm sorry, but he wrote in and said, this can't be happening. A TV show is actually getting psychiatric stuff right. All kidding aside, they nailed it. June has Daniel take a minimal mental state examination, also known as an MMSE. She explains that PTC, PTSD often gets worse when you start feeling safe, and she obviously understands disassociations. I hope they keep a close eye on him. Moments like these are a high risk for suicide. To be fair, The Walking Dead shows usually depict psychiatric conditions pretty well, especially lately, but this is uncanny. So, you know, he he works in in mental health in some way. Um, yep. And I was really glad he wrote in to let us know that the depiction of this on the show was actually pretty accurate and, and well done. Cause, so I, I really appreciate at least that uh, component of it uh, and the way the show Good. presented it. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, that's great. And so I don't know if I could remember those three words from the beginning of a conversation to the end, but maybe if they asked me to repeat them, I, I might have a longer memory. I remember elephant and grape. What was the third one? I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> You're supposed to pay attention when you watch. Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember Donald Trump saying man, woman, uh, camera, TV. Oh, <laughs> in right. an interview one time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that I remember. <laughs> well, I guess you're paying I'm attention good with to dates. that. If they asked me to remember three dates, I would have remembered those. Yeah, that's fair. I know that about you. Yeah. And, and and just before we move on to, I I also thought this was a kind of a different episode in the Walking Dead universe. It was a little bit unique. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not saying the show has never really tried something different, but for me, this whole thing with some twists thrown in there and the way we can't really necessarily trust what we're seeing, or we at least don't know who to trust. It felt a little Twilight zone to me, a little M. Night shyamalan you know, if, if you know what I mean. And I also appreciate that about it. it, because The Walking Dead, all the shows in The Walking Dead kind of follow the same formula a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they're different once in a while, but this one felt really different and it felt like fear was branching out into something new. And I thought that was cool too. I think uh, it was a different kind of storytelling mechanism. Um, I agree, but it seemed a little reality showy to me. It wasn't necessarily M. Light Shyamalan, but uh, it was a little reality showy. And that's because he was sitting there like talking to the camera, giving his yeah. take on something. He was doing his, uh, they call it confessions or whatever yeah. it is. He was yeah. sitting in a room, talking to a camera, uh, telling the story in, in uh, not first person, but in present tense, uh, about what's happening, narrating what, what's happening so that they can cut between the, uh, the actual footage and, uh, you know, a description of what the footage means. I mean, I guess I don't watch enough reality shows because I know what you're talking about, but that never really occurred to me. I just sort of felt like, and especially once you find out he's discussing it with the closest thing they have to a therapist, right? It's well, we watched that, uh, that zombie show that was taking place on a big brother set. Remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that used the exact same formula, right? So they were talking to the confession camera, but it, you know, went off the rails because of zombies, but, uh, <laughs> that, that's the formula. Big brother, uh, very much used that formula. So does Survivor. So does, or is that show still on the air? I have no Survivor idea. Survivor can't still be going, can it? Anyway, uh, you know, it's the, it's, it's, I'm sure the bachelor does that. And the bachelorette does that. Jenny still watches those. Mm -hmm. God help her. But uh, I can't. I can't be in the same room when she watches those. I just end up yelling, not at her, but at the TV, and well, it's just it's not good. I can it's understand that. It would make me angry too. I'm sure. I can't do it anyway. Um, so I think maybe in my heart of hearts, I really dislike reality television, and I have a hard time with anything that reminds me of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I can see that, but this didn't remind me of that because I just don't have the background with it. Never really watched any of it. Uh, okay, let me here play a call from listener Yolanda. 
Hi guys, this is Yolanda in Atlanta. So I'm just going to leave you my comments on the episode called Handle with Care for Fear of Walking Dead. I have to say, I really liked this episode. Now the last two episodes, not so much. I was so frustrated, I didn't even want to talk about them because they went through the whole, just just basically... We're going to, I want to die John Dory. No, I don't want to die John Dory. No, John Dory's dead. No, John Dory's not dead. No, John Dory's going to survive. Oh, oh, oops. Oh, oh, okay. He's dead. And then they did the same thing with Jimmy. We're going to let you go. We're going to not let you go. You can come with us. You can't come with us. We're going to protect you. We're not going to protect you. You're going to survive. Oops. Now we're going to kill you. So I just felt like so much of the plot line was wasted with that going back and forth, dicker, dackering, whatever. So this episode uh, was less predictable. I really like Daniel as a character. He's been one of my favorites all along. And it actually made me wonder what's going to happen in the plot. It was not predictable at all. So I personally don't think that Daniel is having issues with his memory. I don't believe he's crazy at all. I think that somebody, I don't know who, it'll be a mystery for a few episodes, but somebody is making him think that he has problems with his mind. But I don't think he has problems with his mind at all. I think Strand's behind it, but that's just me. But I just also want to throw out there, the way that this show has kind of been jumping the shark, I'm just kind of wondering if this radiation baby that this girl is pregnant with, um, can't remember her name at the moment, but I'm just wondering if this radiation baby is going to have special powers because it wouldn't just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all because... They're just pretty much throwing everything at the wall at this point. But um, I definitely like this episode. I thought we got some great zombie killing. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next. But no, I don't think that Daniel's crazy or has any kind of issues at all. All right. Thanks, Yolanda. Maybe we'll come back to the, the radiation baby thing in a minute. But uh, as, as you can see, Jason, you're not the only person who thinks that maybe Daniel isn't experiencing any, any problems and he is being manipulated by somebody. But, but as I said earlier, I just haven't been able to come to a reasonable conclusion on who would be doing it and why they would be doing it. The only thing I can think of is they want to undermine Daniel's authority somehow, but I'm, I'm just not sure what the motivation is. Is it Dakota? <laughs> well, it's always Dakota. <laughs> anyway, uh so I'm I'm not entirely convinced that uh, like you, I'm uh, I'm kind of on the fence, but we saw a bunch of visuals and we've had evidence that uh you know, that Daniel was not remembering things correctly and not and not remembering things at all like taking the guns. Mm-hmm. Uh or, you know, sending Grace and What's her name? I can't remember her name. Charlie. Charlie. Her, uh, to the, uh, right, uh, to the cabin. But we haven't seen any visual evidence that uh, he's wrong, right? Like we didn't have a flashback to him actually giving the information, uh, you know, go to the go to the caverns instead of go to the fishing village. We didn't have any visual confirmation that he took the guns. Uh, any... Uh, where we have an un- unreliable narrator and then we have a reveal where things have, uh, are not as they appear and, uh, basically a big twist. There's usually a little bit of a flashback to give us uh, reassurance that this is in fact reality that he's misremembering things. Uh, I'm thinking fight club in, you know, in particular, uh, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling 1999 fight club, you should have watched it by now. Uh, those kinds of shows where they have that unreliable narrator, uh, it usually you have confirmation that, uh, that the memories that we've seen throughout the entire episode or movie are incorrect, but we didn't have that. All we had is other people's word. I mean, Charlie does show him a map where he apparently with a circle on it. Like, you know, if she had a pencil, Fine. Or an eraser, right? It was done in pencil. So she could erase the original mark and circled the, the new mark, right? It's not like there was a signature there to indicate that that was the change he made to the map. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, hey, this is not the information I gave. It's like, no, because somebody doctored it. Right. 
Okay, well, here's here's another call from Kate. Hi, this is Kate from San Francisco. I was wondering if anyone else thought there was some gaslighting going on with Daniel and Grace and Charlie and the thing with the guns. Not sure why that would be so, but I'm also not sure what the point is of having him have this memory lapse, especially when he was faking it before. I kept waiting for some sort of twist at the end where Daniel would smirk like Kaiser Sose or something. And I'm hoping that there's some sort of long game because otherwise it just seems like a weird thing to happen. Anyway, hoping for your thoughts on this and thanks for the podcast. Bye. Thanks, Kate. So, I mean, she sort of calls out Grace and Charlie as being the ones potentially doing it, but she also brings up an interesting point or another point is that, and and again, this didn't really occur to me while I was watching the show, but of course we have had Daniel all season living there under Ginny's control, pretending to have no memory of anything. Right. So, and, and I don't feel like the show ever really dug into exactly why he was doing that. Now I can assume that it's because it made him seem like less of a threat to Ginny. He doesn't remember anything that's going on. It, it kind of took the spotlight off of him while he was under her control and it allowed him to probably get away with some stuff, uh, that, he might not have been able to otherwise if he, you know, he claimed he had no memory of anything. He doesn't know who's who, what not. But I don't feel like the show ever really dug into that. And I sort of just passed it off as like, oh, it's a thing he's doing. He's just trying to protect himself. You know, he doesn't want to be where he is or whatever. And now all of a sudden we have an episode where he's actually, or let's say probably actually losing his memory. And it's a big thing. I just, I feel like it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition of storylines for this character. And in a way, it kind of makes me think along the lines of Kate and Yolanda and you that, you know, maybe there is more to this and maybe he is being gaslit by somebody. It's my new favorite way of uh, lying to people, by the way, gaslighting. I never really, you know, practiced gaslighting. I've always been pretty good at lying, Mm -hmm. but I've never actually out and out, you know, no, that's not true. That can't be true. Why would I do something like that? That's crazy. You know, making somebody else feel like they're an idiot and they're crazy because, you know, what really happened, uh, I'm just, you know, out and out denying. Sure. I mean, it's manipulating someone enough that they start doubting their own personal beliefs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know? well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. I, that can't be true. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, gaslighting is, uh, you know, I, in some weird way, I kind of wish I practiced it a little bit more. I'm not very good at it because I feel guilty, right? I'm also very empathetic about, uh, uh, about people's feelings, right? And if I was to try if do that and make them feel bad, I would feel bad. And then the lie would come out. I would be a bad liar at that point. That's not my way of lying, but it does sound fun okay, in a well, weird twisted way. But, uh, back to the point. Oh, right. The baby with the powers. As long as it's not the baby, the same baby as we saw in, uh, uh, what was that movie or that show with the powers, superpowers? Damn it. The boys. Uh huh. As long as it doesn't have that kind of baby superpowers, everything would be fine. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Baby powers. I don't know. Grace is going to have her baby and it's going to be a perfectly normal, healthy baby, we hope. No lasers yeah. shooting out of its eyes or, <laughs> or, uh, any, Anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness the X-Men uh, universe, uh, generally uh, their powers don't manifest until puberty, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, having, you know, toddlers with, oh, I can't even imagine what a toddler would be like with like friggin' super strength or being able to fly. Oh my God. I have a hard enough, hard enough time keeping up with them uh, just because he can run faster than me. If he could fly, man, that'd be tough. Of of course, you can't fly. <laughs> I can't fly. Uh, yeah, imagine having like baby Cyclops or something with red beams shooting out of its eyes. Not good. Or anything, the Phoenix or, you know, whatever. I mean, Jasper's superpower is stubbornness because uh, I'm stubborn and my wife is stubborn and he got a double dose. It's a superpower. Well, hopefully that works out for him later in life. I, I hope so. You never it's know. tough now. Anyway, uh, Daniel, we're talking about Daniel somehow. 
Somehow, somehow. Well, let me let me continue here with an email from Tallahassee's twin brother. This is a little bit on the other side of, of the uh, diagnosis. He, he says, I have a small technical issue with Daniel's final diagnosis. The process of medical diagnosis normally follows the principle of Occam's razor, in that where multiple answers to a problem exist, the most likely is usually the solution. Here, Daniel has a visible wound from a head injury caused in the last episode, and this would need to be treated or excluded in the first instance, along with stroke or electrolyte imbalance caused by dehydration before less acutely urgent possibilities. So that's a bit of a mouthful, but what I think Tallahassee's twin brother is trying to say is that maybe Daniel's just fine, but he took a really hard whack on the head recently, and he has a concussion, or he's got some similar ailment that actually is causing memory loss. I think that's actually a pretty good read in interpretation of this whole situation, in my opinion. That could be. I mean, can an electrolyte imbalance really cause that kind of uh, memory loss? You know, I have no idea, but when you're dehydrated, you do start to experience some pretty weird things like severe dehydration, I'm I'm sure. But even blacked out drunk before, but and I've done some things that I do not remember that have been relayed to me afterwards that were pretty fucking nuts. Uh, you know, not nothing criminal really, just more, you know, more running around naked kind of things. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I can't imagine that being dehydrated uh, can do that. And if that's so, I'm going to drink some more water. Yeah. Always drink enough water every day, uh, but not too much. That's bad too. Um, but, but if you, if you don't worry about the dehydration too much, like, the whack on the head he took and the size of the gash on his forehead, like it was a pretty hard whack. Yeah. And I think that despite everything we've talked about and going, you know, going back to PTSD and the examination that June put him under, like no one's going like, you know what? You got hit in the head really bad. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why your, your memory's not working as, as well as it should be, which swings me back around to the other side of, you know what? Daniel's just having a, having a memory problem right now. And it's nothing more than that, but, and, and he'll recover from it. We hope too. Right. If it's, if it's not a, if it's not something that's ongoing or long lasting, hopefully he'll recover from it and everything will be fine for him. Well, we've got some judgment problems that we know of, right? He let the zombies in, in order to flush out who took the guns which was just a dumb idea in general. He was going to shoot Strand right in the face because he was refusing to uh, tell him where the guns were. And we know Daniel has other ways of making people talk. So just shooting him in the face, uh, first of all, that's a... the, The decision process to get there is questionable. And for Daniel, getting to that point where he's going to kill somebody that's not telling him the truth rather than torture them... Uh, is also out of character. <laughs> yeah, so, a little bit. Uh, so we know there's some rationality problems that he's going through at the moment. Yeah, you're right. And they they called back to it too, because it wasn't, didn't Daniel even say the last yeah. time something like this happened, you know, I was standing in a building on fire or something yeah, like I that. Set, I set the place on fire. He, he was talking about that winery way back in yeah. season, whatever it was. So this may not actually be the first time he's experienced something like this either. And, and the more we talk about this, the more I feel like it is actually unclear what's going on. I, I can think of as many reasons for it being all genuine as I can for the whole thing being a manipulation of him. Yes. So I've kind of come around to the middle of the fence. Yeah, I'm right, uh, <laughs> I'm right there sitting on the horns of a dilemma. That's the worst place you want to sit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, ultimately... I don't think we have enough information yet. The real question is, does, like you said, does somebody have a motive and what, what could that motive possibly be? Like why discredit, uh, Daniel? Like why? Yeah. I don't know. There's no, there's no real reason. I can't think of a reason. He's not in charge. He doesn't have any real power other than him and Morgan have the keys to the, to the gun locker, but that doesn't seem to stop anybody anyway. Um, is it because he makes the soup? I, you know what maybe though? They, maybe they don't like the soup. Well, Morgan said it has some bite. But speaking of Morgan, Morgan wasn't there for all of this. 
and Morgan is kind of the one in charge. He puts Daniel in charge while he's gone. Uh-huh. Like, could, could Morgan be behind this? Let's say we're on that side of the fence for now. All right. Could he be behind this some way and have orchestrated this to happen while he wasn't there, therefore, you know, giving himself an alibi? He did uh, shoot down Daniel's uh, offer to go and pick up the fetal monitor pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. No, you'll never find it. It's off the beaten path. I have to go. Uh, I'll be back in a couple of hours. Daniel, you stay here and you're in charge. right? So he was pretty quick to uh, shoot down the idea of Daniel leaving. He, He was. And then is there any way Morgan could have orchestrated that explosion just to set the ball rolling? Yeah. Well, he has a... Uh, he has his magic axe. Well, well, he doesn't. It's sitting out front. But if there's anyone that could do something like that, it would be Morgan. And don't forget, Morgan and Grace are tight. They are they are basically a couple. So if she was in on it, and maybe even Charlie, maybe it's the three of them working together. Yeah, I like I said, it takes a minimum of three people to do what uh, to fuck with Daniel like this. But what would Morgan's motive be? I I don't know. Does he does he feel threatened? Daniel's a new member of this community, right? He's come here recently. Does he feel threatened by his ability to, to have power over a, of, over a community? Morgan would be above board about all this. I think so. He wouldn't so. manipulate anybody. He would just kind of shake a stick at them and say, don't do that because I've got this stick and you know what I'm like with sticks. So <laughs> back right. off. Back off or I'm going to stick you with my stick. I just can't, I can't believe, uh, we don't have any evidence that Morgan has been this manipulative in the past. I have a hard time thinking of Morgan as, like, this, this, you have to go out of your way a lot to accomplish this, Mm -hmm. right? There's, and there's a lot that could go wrong. Like, you fucking exploded the bomb, right? There was an explosion right next to a tent that is dangerous, uh, and then just to get some guns out of the, uh, out of the locker. But Morgan was the only other person with a key. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Here's, here's something else I want to point out. And this will probably just confuse the situation further. Oh, good. Is that I, when they're near the beginning, when they are closing up the guns in the gun locker before they go missing. Yep. I'm almost positive as you're, as they're closing the door, you can see boxes or crates on the inside of that, that, uh, shed that say mm-hmm. TNT on them. So they're keeping the explosives in there as well. And you would need explosives to cause that explosion. He says a rock fell on them or something like that. So once again, only Daniel and only Morgan in theory have access to the explosives because it would be silly to assume they leave them out just lying around. You know? Well, yeah, you wouldn't leave them. Well, I also wouldn't want them in with a bunch of firearms, right? No, you wouldn't. A bunch of bullets because, you know, TNT goes off, uh, bullets tend to fly around if they're, you know, packed with bullets. Sure. So that's just a bad decision, a bad storage decision in any case, but it was, it was there. Like I saw the box. So what I'm trying to say is like only those two guys in theory had access to the explosives anyways. So what were they doing out there? How did they get there? If Daniel was the one around, maybe he did cause the explosion for some reason. Or Morgan and or his, what's the word for uh, someone working together? Uh, Compatriot? uh, I don't know. Friends? (laughs) Morgan and his- Cohort? Cohort, there you go. Um, Would have had access to it. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, It doesn't make it any clearer in my mind, but- TNT exploded somehow. But, you know, locks are not invincible. If I've learned, there's two lessons I've learned uh, in my life. One is something my father used to say to me is that locks only keep honest people out. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to get in, you're going to get in. And that's absolutely true. And two, I started, uh, I subscribed to a YouTube channel called The Lockpicking Lawyer, which is this guy who I assume is a lawyer uh, even though he doesn't talk about the law, he talks about locks and he shows you, Hey, this is a new lock I got. Let me show you how easy it is to pick. Bing, 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 or rake. You know, you get these tools, you just kind of jiggle the damn friggin' lock and it opens. That lock looks pretty substantial, 
but anybody with any kind of lock picking skills would probably get into that within, you know, about the same time it takes to unlock it with a key, you can pick a lock, That's a pretty, padlock pretty easily. That's pretty sad. With the proper tools. Locks are only there to keep honest people out. Fair enough. Um, so any, you know, the fact that only Daniel and Morgan had the key really doesn't mean anything. All you need is a, you know, access to YouTube and to buy a transparent lock off of Amazon to practice with, and you're good to go. And you know what? They, the show made a point of when they did find the weapons, Lucy's standing there and goes, I had to cut the lock off. And Dwight goes, yeah, I, I can vouch for that. I was standing right here. It's like they're telling us that locks do nothing, <laughs> you know? No, they, they don't. So. Especially if you don't care about, uh, you know, covering your tracks. If you're just going to cut the lock off, I mean, hell, I have a set of bolt cutters that are right over there. probably would have taken care of that lock. Oh, easily. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's flip over to the other side of things here sure. for a minute, because I made some notes about Daniel leaving at the end and basically going off with Strand. And last week you were talking about how, uh, it felt like this was it. That was it for June. Like she oh, just yeah, walked. That, that's not true at all. No. And, and I want to talk about that too in a minute, but you know, she just walked off into the sunset and you thought, oh, that's it. She's leaving the show. I didn't agree with that, but I did kind of feel like this was it for Daniel. You know, he's come to this point in his life. He, he, uh, he moves on to Lawton where Strand is living you know, Strand offers them this simple life, basically. And he says he's doing it for Ophelia, who's long dead. It buries the hatchet between Daniel and Strand a little bit. You know, he offers him this safe place to live. And I felt like even Daniel's relationship with Charlie felt kind of complete. They say goodbye to each other and stuff like that. So I'm thinking, well, Daniel's story is all over. He, it's, it's wrapped up. He's moving on. And that's that's it for him. So I got the feeling that Daniel's leaving the show. And if he is, there's probably not a lot more to this story because he's not going to be around to tell it, or we're not going to be, he's not going to be around for us to watch it happen. Right. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe he'll be back next week again and have a huge part. But uh, at this point, it feels like maybe his character is being written off a little bit. We'll see. I don't know. That, that of course, assumes that uh, Daniel's memory loss is true. That's what I mean. Right. We, we come around to that side now. Like, the story's all genuine. Everything's fine. This is a way that the writers have come up with to ride him off into the sunset. So he's been retired. He's uh, been deleted. He's been completed. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, all, he, all we need now is for somebody to execute him. <laughs> well... And that's why they don't want to do. So maybe they'll just have him like live the quiet life in Lawton and we'll never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at the flowers. Everything will be fine. Just sit on your porch and look at the flowers. You'll be fine. That always turns out well. All right. Well, let's jump back to June then. So this huge reveal of the fact that he was talking to June. Here's the funny thing about that. And this came to me when... I was thinking about you talking about her being off the show because it feels like she had this big dramatic exit last week, yet here she is right back again, next episode, like nothing is, has changed. And I do feel like it was a big reveal that he was talking to her. Like why hide it from us if it wasn't supposed to be a big reveal? And the only reason I could come up with is maybe they changed the order of the episodes. I had this feeling that maybe if, if June had been gone for three or four or five episodes, then it would have been that much bigger of a surprise that she was back talking to him. But she just disappeared last week and came back this week. And I felt like, well, what was the point of that? And then I wondered, could this episode have been dropped in like three weeks from now? Would it have made any difference? Uh, maybe well, it's going to... Couple things. One is I'm wondering whether or not you missed the fact they said June was on her way a couple of times. Well, when, they uh, they did. They had to radio her, didn't they? Say they radioed her on the long range so they could yeah get her back. Yeah. So they, we knew she was. It's not really a surprise that she showed up. It's like as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay. I guess she's not off the show. 
And then they said it again, and I'm like, oh, okay, she's not off the show. And then the big reveal, it's like, oh, yeah, it's June. That makes sense. Right, but they framed her returning because she needed to treat uh, Grace because she was experiencing some contractions, right? And that's fine. But but I think the reveal of her talking to Daniel was intentionally supposed to be a, a bigger thing. And and I just think if it was three weeks from now after, and she hadn't been on it for this long, for that long, it would have made more sense. But I don't see the point of her disappearing like that and then coming right back. Well, it's going to feel really dumb if next week's episode has Daniel in it acting normally and just being part of the team, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. That's true. If that's, you know, if they're showing the episodes out of order, which they don't do anymore, right? Like they've, you know, television companies have learned their lesson from Firefly, right? Mm -hmm. Don't air the episodes out of order. Just makes you look like an idiot, Fox. And stop changing the night. I'm so disappointed about Firefly from whenever it did early aughts. Because, you know, I, you know, friend of the show, Dave, he loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was, I enjoyed the fact that he loved it, right? I never really thought anything about Buffy and then he loved Buffy. And then the next show that uh, Joss Whedon was doing was Firefly. And I thought to myself, this one I'm in on from the ground floor. I'm going to start watching this show and it's going to be my answer to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then I saw the first episode. I'm like, holy shit, it's Cowboys in Space, right? And then I saw the next episode. It's like, well, that's a little weird. They, uh, uh, it seems like they're introducing all the characters when in fact, this is the second episode. That's kind of strange. And then I watched a few more and I was way in on this and it was canceled after the first, cause it kept changing nights. I missed episodes and then they skipped things and it was very annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then canceled after a season. But I'm hoping that the world has learned their lesson. Don't do that. This is not the Simpsons or Magnum PI or uh, any episode from any television, it's not law and order. You can't just air the episodes in whatever freaking order you want. It's not episodic that way. You're tr- telling a long run cohesive story from beginning to end. You can't swap the fucking episodes. Yeah. I agree with that. But I also think that when you consider what happened in this episode with a little bit of re-editing, it actually probably could fall somewhere else in the run that would make the June stuff a little bit more uh, impactful. I, I'm not well, saying they did that, but they also had like a year off basically to reconsider what they were doing. And so m- maybe it changed. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I mean, we've all been in fights with our, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, husbands, where we, get so mad that we just make a dramatic exit. It's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Uh, only to, you know, put your shoes on and open the door and go, I can't leave. This is stupid. Like, <laughs> where, where would I go no, anyway? <laughs> I, yeah, where would I go? I'm just being dramatic and coming to that realization that you're just being dramatic. So maybe she walked off, uh, you know, being dramatic and then she got like 14 feet away from the, the, the dam and going, you know, where the hell am I going to go? This is dumb. Uh, I should... I should hang around and I could help people and, you know, maybe I'm just being an asshole. Well, I, who knows? I mean, they did say they have to reach her on the long range. So she was gone somewhere far away, but I, maybe I just want to know like where, where she been, what she been doing. And yeah. I don't feel like we're going to get to that now because she disappeared for half an episode and then came back maybe two thirds of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a Jim Gaffigan uh, joke from a standup he did a few years ago where, you know, his son was, you know, very upset and he said, that's it, I'm leaving. And he goes to open the door and, you know, he just turns to his son and says, you're three, you don't know anybody. You know, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Where, 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 what would you even do? Out, <laughs> what would you do? Yeah. You know, you, can, you can't leave. You, can, you don't know how to unlock the door. That's funny. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, one more thing before we wrap this up here is Dakota. So she didn't play a huge part in this episode, but she's still hanging around. Um, and she does have a really important bit at the end. Apparently, they've been trying to get information out of her about Ginny and what she was doing. And all of a sudden, at the end of this one, she pipes up and remembers that Ginny said that the Doomsday Group 
had gone underground. And she thinks maybe literally they mean underground. Um, she said that Ginny was scouting them near Dallas. And so now Morgan has Al and Alicia um, and Luciana are going to go out and what's his face are going to go out and they're going to meet up and they're going to go and scout around and try to figure out what's going on with these people, where they are, what they're doing. And I kind of hated this bit because it just feels like all is forgiven for forgiven with Dakota, right? She's the, she's the girl who murdered John Dory and suddenly she has one piece of stupid, vague information and Morgan gives her this really appreciative look like, thanks, you've, you've really helped out. And I just feel like it's too easy for her. It's too easy. She should be shunned a little bit more. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it is a handy bit of information, even though it's completely ridiculous. What, is there an underdark where they live now? Like, if they've gone underground, it's like, well, look, we better check the sewers. Yeah, nope. sewers, tunnels, like, fine. Subway. They're, subway, they're living in the subway system in Dallas. I, I don't even know if there's a subway, but I assume there is. I mean, yeah. who cares? There's a sewer, I hope. There's probably a sewer. If that's where they're living, let them. Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like they're that much of a threat if they're just going to live in the sewers and stay down there. Yeah, as long as you don't uh, hoard all the spray cans. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're hoarding spray paint, they might come after you. But if you just leave all the spray paint where it is, uh, they'll be fine. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think this was a moment that was supposed to redeem Dakota a little bit. And I just thought it was stupid. It just feels like they're not going to reckon with the fact that she killed Cameron. She killed John Dory. She did some pretty bad things, you know? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I do hope they address that on the show. Otherwise it's going to feel really sort of artificial. Well, maybe next episode, June will shoot her too and make another dramatic exit. <laughs> Actually, sure. June will just keep doing that every two episodes, <laughs> kill someone and walk off and then she'll just well, come that, right back. <laughs> that's why I think Daniel's going to be back because he made a dramatic exit in this episode and, you know, he'll be back next episode. No problem. But it wasn't a big showy exit like that, right? I felt like he sort of has resigned himself to the fact that he's maybe not able to do the things he used to do to bring it back around to actually he is having a mental disorder. Yeah. And, and he's, he's choosing to step back and live this simple life that Strand is offering him. Yeah. He didn't even try and torture Strand. Didn't even bother to try. No, he was just going to straight up shoot him. Yeah. Not even mental torture. He didn't even, didn't even have a conversation with him about it. He was just pointing the gun at him going, tell me the truth. It's like, well, when does that ever work for you, Daniel? (laughs) <laughs> probably never. Yeah, probably never. Anyway, uh, he even, I, I think, go ahead. He even tries to pull out the thing in his mouth from where Strand shot him in the face uh, yep. back in oh, season three, I think. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a callback. It was. I, I actually had to go back. I went back and, and um, re- sort of watched that bit, figured out what episode was in, watched that bit. They're struggling, the two of them. And I guess Strand is stronger and kind of gets the gun, they're close up together, gets the gun close to his face and then pulls the trigger and it kind of grazes off his cheek. And I guess, you know, did some damage to his jaw and teeth. Um, So Daniel had this feeling like you shot me in the face, maybe I'll shoot you in the face now. Yeah. And he didn't, and on the same note, he didn't even try and give Strand a haircut, like a bad one (laughs) as torture. I'm going to give you a crooked mohawk. Screw you. <laughs> that could be fun though. A crooked mohawk? Yeah. I mean, what, what bigger fuck you can you give to the man, right? Shave your head in a mohawk? That's so cliche, right? Crooked mohawk is really messing with people. Uh, yeah, that's true. Crooked mohawk. <laughs> Sounds like a name Cause, of a band. Because <laughs> you, you not only, you know, moh- mohawks are not really that shocking nowadays. So a crooked mohawk would take all the, uh, the people that are OCD and really mess with them. Oh man, it's slightly crooked. That guy's crazy. It's not straight. Who would do that? Okay. One more email here from Bernard in lockdown. I mean, Toronto is what he said, his words. <laughs> uh, incidentally, we are in a lockdown right now. It's super annoying. Um, Bernard writes, I liked the mystery of this episode. 
until they open the weapons shack. Why tell us that only Daniel and Morgan have keys? Then show Daniel lock the shack before leaving following Morgan. Then let us know that Morgan has gone away getting the fetal monitor. Once Daniel went back to the shack and the lock was still in place, obviously he's the guy. So does that make sense to you that the shack yep. is locked, the guns go missing, you go back, the shack is locked again. Clearly the guns went missing without breaking the lock. So it has mm -hmm. to be Daniel because Morgan's not there. Was that, was that like a big giveaway that I kind of didn't clue into? It would be if you didn't, if you assumed that nobody can pick locks, which I assume everybody can pick locks. I can't pick a lock. I don't have the patience to learn a new skill at this point in my life. But if I were to learn a new skill, it would be picking locks because it looks like fun. It's, it's like how they say in your forties, it's so hard to make new friends. Same thing with learning to pick locks. You just can't do it in your forties. Well, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, I don't have the motivation, right? I, when I was in my twenties or in my late teens, I had a lot of motivation and or free time uh, to learn skills. Hey, this is fun. This is exciting. This is neat to learn a new skill. You know, at this point in my life, I know what it's like to learn a new skill. Uh, so learning a new skill is not as endorphin uh, rush. There's not much of an endorphin rush as it used to be. So learning a new skill is just like, man, I could be doing something else. <laughs> I could be right? doing something I already know how to do. I could, I could be doing, I, you know, I really need to do the dishes, you know, <laughs> like I haven't looked under the couch in a week and there's probably a whole lot of garbage and or toys down there. So, cause a lot of things get shoved under the couch, but. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah. So there's other things to do, right? I don't really have the amount of free time it would take to learn a brand new skill and to get good at it. Like even if, you know, if you say it's uh, five years or 10,000 hours or whatever it is mm -hmm. to, to become an expert, I don't even have the 1,000 hours to become relatively competent at anything new. You just have to put your mind to it. You'll exactly. Find... And I don't want to, oh, okay, that's the problem. Fine. I don't, I lack the motivation. I lack the desire to want to put in the time. This is your problem with building Lego. Well, that, and I don't have the time because if I were to build Lego in front of Jasper, it has to become a whole thing, right? <laughs> it becomes Whereas his like, Lego. It becomes his Lego. Say, so, Hey, I really like that thing you've built me. It's like, well, it's, and it's hard to, I'm having the, you know, no, that's daddy's Lego conversation with them every now and again. And I don't like having that conversation. So when we build Lego, it's his. It's right? fair. I just want you to finish that giant millennium Falcon. I feel bad that it's half built. That's not even half. No. Oh, okay. I like pulled up the instructions and put it on the iPad to try and find out where I was. I'm only like a quarter way through that fucker. No, oh, and it's been sitting it's, there for so long. It makes me sad. Like years, years, my friend. <laughs> I'm worse. Of, and you know, I, and that's the other thing is I'm going to sit and learn how to pick a lock when I have an unfinished Lego Millennium Falcon uh, sitting on a on the countertop over there. No, sir. No, no, sir. I got to do the dishes and work on the Millennium Falcon. All right. Well, just to swing back to Bernard's uh, email, I'm kind of glad that I didn't pick up on this series of events while I was watching it because it does feel like it sort of just gives it away. But then I think we've determined in this podcast that we don't even know what we were looking at. We have no idea what was truly going on in this episode. You can easily argue it either way. So yeah. that's and where I we leave it. Also, you, you know, it doesn't necessarily point to Daniel. It also points to Morgan. That's right. Like, as we discussed, you know, Morgan had, uh, you know, it very well could be within the realm of Morgan's, um, Morgan could have done it. We just don't know why he would have. Right. Right. So. Okay. Well, overall, despite all this, I, I still did like the episode. I was not, um, taken aback by the storytelling style, uh, in the way that you were, I don't think. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I think Fear the Walking Dead is continuing to be quite a solid show right now, which, yep. you know, I never would have guessed after last season. So good job. Good job on everyone that's putting it together. Um, yeah, despite the uncertainty with this one, I still enjoyed it. Still really quite enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm hoping they just keep up this high quality as we go through the rest of this season. Cool. I, I did enjoy this episode. You know, overall, I liked it. Yeah. Well, that's good. Just saying. I mean, it's, 
it's some of the best episodes are the ones where you can easily have differing opinions that are, you know, equally valid, right? It just, it, sh- it shows it's a thinker more than a doer. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Why not? All right. Well, if you have any more thoughts about this one, I encourage you to send them in to us. I would love to get a little bit more feedback, especially on an episode like this. So we will, of course, be back next week to talk about the next episode of Fear. But in the meantime, send those thoughts in and maybe we can follow up quickly next week and see where we're at. See if there's any other theories or anything else that was in this episode that really obviously kind of makes me fall off the fence one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Because this fence is uncomfortable. I don't like being on it. If you want to send in those thoughts or comments please do go to talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top to record a message. That's a good way to do it. You can also just record a message on your phone and send us that audio file. You can do that by email at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook as always at facebook.com slash the talking dead. So we will be back next time when we talk about the next episode of Fear. Until then, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.